0: Hey, friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the
1: themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. guys um so all three of us have been talking and um we just wanted to just have like a little portion of the episode um just to talk about what's been happening this past week everything that's been coming up i think i can speak for everyone here and all the fandom it's just been a very very heavy past few days just like new information coming up seeing everyone's tweets it's been really like emotional to see everything happening and I just like I'm very very heartbroken for charisma everyone who's coming out we all three of us have been um thinking about it on our own and we just like would like to come here and just like Talk about it just to get it out there and, and just kind of discuss what our podcast will look like and how things will be kind of slightly changed and how we talk about the podcast and how we kind of break things down. It's not going to be anything major. Um, but we just felt like we should just be honest about it and see where, um, we're coming from and what we're going to be changing a little bit about it. And just, um, I feel like the Buffy fan base is just, they care so much about the actors and all the, all the work that they put into it. And it just like breaks my heart knowing that people that we care so much about were going through so much behind the scenes and we didn't know about it. So I'm so proud of Charisma and I'm so proud of all the people who are coming out about it. And I believe them um, and my heart breaks for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think i I've been listening to a few interviews and stuff just from the past. And it's interesting, a lot of the actors I'll say the same thing about their fans. They say Buffy fans are incredibly loyal and they're really intelligent, which I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. But I think it speaks to the substance and the characters that's in the show and it attracts a certain group of people. And I think we all really care about equality and powerful women. And we thought that that's what Joss and everybody else in authority stood for. And so we all resonated with these powerful women, these powerful characters. I mean, that's what Buffy is. It's a show about a woman that takes back the power. And so to have a woman that worked on this show come out and say, I was abused or I was harassed or, you know, all that stuff, it's just, it's a gut punch because we thought that Joss also stood for that as well. And so I think we all kind of feel collectively lied to. And then on top of that, it's just hard. We love charisma and we love... Uh, the rest of the actresses that have spoken out. And so to hear that they were in a work environment that was not safe or was not um, healthy to make a show that we all love, it feels, I don't know, it feels dirty and it feels wrong. Like I feel bad. I'm like, man, they did that for us, you know? And I just like Chrisma didn't have to speak out about it.
1: Um, And the fact that she did and, and it's been so long, I can't, even imagine the stuff that she's gone through and how hard it was for her to even speak out on it. Um, Knowing that of the climate of actors during this time, who knows what this might look like for her future. Even she says in her post, she's like, scared for this, what what this might look like. And I just, I'm just so proud from all the posts I've seen in the Buffy fandom, just kind of coming alongside her and supporting her and um, it's just, it's, it's really heavy. It's really hard.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, kind of going along with that, we really wanted to make uh, some changes in the way that we address some things in the podcast, specifically just in regards to Joss. I think that we just wanted to address it and recognize that Joss was not the only writer on the show. There are many amazing people who worked on the show who weren't doing shady things behind closed doors and stuff, and We kind of want to recognize them more than we have and bring a
2: little less attention to Joss. Yeah, because as much as we all recognize Joss as the creator, there are hundreds of people behind the scenes that brought these characters to life that made it all come together. Joss could not have done this alone. And honestly, once he put those words on paper – it really became its own thing. Once Buffy was sent out to the fans, it became ours. And so I think that it is, and I've seen this circled around and I'm sure that you guys have too, it is okay to still love Buffy even after mm-hmm. the horrible things that Joss did. And so that's something I've been wrestling with a lot this past week. Cause I'm I'm like, man, like, is this tainted? Do I really want to keep talking about this? Cause we have a podcast mm-hmm. for Pete's sake. Like, do we want to keep talking about this? When these horrible things happened and I'm like, yes, because charisma stuck around and kept doing it because she loved the character of Cordelia and she came back because she loved the character of Cordelia. And so I think that we're talking about the podcast because we love the characters and we love the actors and actresses that brought them to life.
1: And they, the actors themselves made the characters three-dimensional. I saw a post where it was like, someone can write down a character and it can seem amazing, but it, once given to the right person, can either make or break it. And every single person poured their whole heart and in being into every character and we saw it. That's the reason why we love the show. If Joss created it and different actors came in, it would have been a completely different show. We might not even have this podcast here, but it's because of Charisma. It's because of Sarah's, because of all these people that made the show great and their hard work into the characters. Yeah.
2: So going forward, we're going to, we're still going to mention Joss simply because I don't think it's completely possible to talk about these things without Joss being here, but we're going to really, I think, dial it back, try to really talk about the characters, the actors, the other writers, wardrobe, lighting, all that other stuff, and maybe bring less attention to Joss. But I think also too, highlight maybe instances where we're like, hey, I could see how Joss's horrendous, ugly behavior maybe affected, or even his values affected the writing of this character, affected the way he views this subject. And so I think that it's another layer and another way that we can kind of look at things. So, all that to say, we're just going to try really hard to be um, mindful of that yeah, going forward. And I think
0: ultimately our goal is just to show that we don't, obviously, we don't agree with what has happened and that we do not want to support someone that would be okay with doing those things and would do those things and treat people the way that he did. We support the actors and the actresses who went through these awful things. Um and we love Buffy and we will talk about Buffy but we just are going to choose to try and look at it separate from a man who did off-legs.
2: So normally this would be the part of the episode where we would tell you, "Hey, this is the spoiler-free section and the spoiler section is at the end of the podcast." Um that's the second part of our news. We are actually going to be splitting up the spoiler section and the spoiler-free section into two separate episodes. Um, they will be released a week apart. So this week you will have the spoiler-free section of Lie to Me, and next week will be the spoiler section. The reason for this is, as you are well aware, I'm sure – our episodes are getting longer and longer and in an effort to curb back the amount of listening time in an episode, we want to split them up just so that we make sure we're not cutting out any important information and you guys are getting all the information that you need and that we're not making our episode unnecessarily long. And then on top of that too, just, you know, it's a lot of work to edit and stuff. So this, this will allow us to continue to release an episode every week, but it's just going to be slowed down slightly.
1: But that also means you guys are going to get more in-depth um, analysis. You're going to have more stuff in it. Um, so if you want more in-depth of each episode, way more of our annoying voices off of <laughs> one specific episode, you will be getting that whether or not you
2: like it. Um, but yeah. But also, we want to give you guys the best possible content. We don't want to feel like we're rushing through anything. We want to feel like we're giving you everything that we can find. So with that being said, this will be the spoiler-free section, and next week, you guys will get the spoiler section, and that will just kind of be what we're going to do each week. So without further ado, let's get into Light of Me
1: such an enticing episode
2: i know i feel like this episode is highly underrated in the fandom like i don't hear it referred to very much like people love school hard and halloween and all Mm -hmm. the episodes in the future that i cannot mention at this present time um (laughs) but this episode is seriously is one of my favorite episodes of this season and that is saying something because this season has so many good episodes
1: yep yep i think like If everyone's watched this episode up until this point, I hope they have. But it just really takes such a like a hard turn at the end. And it's one of my personal favorites like of all time. I don't know if I it would make it into my top ten just because there's top tens are like the holy grails. (laughs) Like you don't touch those. Um, but this episode is just it takes a turn that you're like, wow, like Buffy's gonna have to face a lot of hardships. Like she's getting older, she's going through a lot of things, like it's not as easy as it used to be. Um And it deals with really, like, hard, hard themes.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that this episode would probably be, like, in my top 20 episodes of the show. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. very, very good. It's very well done, especially since it is only in the second season. Like, it just has so much depth that I feel like we've been missing. Not necessarily missing, but more so, like,
2: not as developed. Well, it's just adding another layer to an already complex and deep show. Yes, no, I yep. agree. Before we get into the episode any further, just wanted to say that you guys can also find us on Instagram, Becoming Buffy Podcast, and you can also email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. And as we get further and further along into the show, the themes become a lot deeper and some of the questions that are asked of the characters, some of the things that are just happening become really interesting to talk about. So please, if you have any insights, things you want to discuss, we've already had several of you DM us, and it's just been really fun having these conversations um just about some of the deeper issues going on in the episodes
1: yep and this episode just really kickstarts a lot of like harder episodes which maybe i just like love watching television like characters in pain i don't know why (laughs) um i think it's more interesting it's like deeper and it like really kind of like is therapy watching it because you see someone going through things and you're like man i've i've either gone through something similar obviously i'm not fighting physical demons um but that's the whole point of buffy is to kind of make it a metaphor for stuff that people go through but i think episodes like this are really rough but i'd rather watch an episode that is actually getting somewhere and it's something that is like really hard to watch but really good rather than just fluff so it might be hard to watch but it's like one of my favorites
2: yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think there's a time and a place for. I love watching, you know, Parks and Rec or The Office right. or, you know, sometimes you just need to watch something to have a good laugh. But mm-hmm. I always find myself coming back to Buffy for many reasons. But one of the reasons is because it's actually therapeutic to watch your characters wrestling through things that you yourself are wrestling through because yeah. it makes you feel not so alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we dive into this episode, I wanted to tell you guys about something really cool that I discovered this week. So – I think I've mentioned it before, but there's a YouTube channel called Passion of the Nerd. And if you have never, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, if you have never seen him before, looked him up. He is phenomenal. He probably, well, he probably, he's better than us at analyzing and dissecting things. <laughs> I think he's just not as fun as we are. So, no, but you guys should definitely go check him out. He has just some great insights um, into the show in general and just into each individual episode. But he and also an author called Mark Field. Fields He wrote Buffy the Vampire Slayer Myth, Metaphor, and Morality. They had a really interesting observation that I was kind of floored about. So they said, with the exception of season one, every single season, all of their episodes from one to six deal with the aftermath of the previous season. Then you get huh. to episode seven and episode seven is always the one that sets the tone for the current season. So if you remember oh. episode seven of season one is Angel and it's hmm. that it's the one that kind of kickstarts like Buffy's gray area, mm-hmm. like uh, kind of dealing with her relationship with Angel, which is kind of, um, you can tell is building in season two for this one. The seventh episode is Lie to Me and I really believe Ooh. that Lie to Me is pivotal and when we get to the spoiler section, we'll pain. talk about the is that's pain, what season yes. two is <laughs> <Pain>. <laughs> literally. Yeah, but I um, mean, once we get to the spoiler section, sorry for all of you who are not there yet. We'll obviously talk about some other episodes in further seasons that are the seventh one, and then kind of push the season along but i just thought that was a really interesting insight and i fully agree with it yeah
0: and something to be on the lookout for when we're entering other seasons is yeah be prepared for episode
2: uh seven yeah so light of me is just definitely pivotal for the season not only that but it's pivotal for the entire show because yeah. its theme is very much um about trust the theme embodies what Buffy says to Ford is you, you have a choice. It's not a good choice, but you have a choice. And I think yeah. that that's something that we'll see Buffy being challenged with.
1: And one of my favorite things that Buffy does is that it takes a title and it, it doesn't do with every episode, but like sometimes there's like a major topic that they're going to choose. And then they have so many different storylines doing the same thing, but in, um, executed in different ways this
2: episode is very very similar to inca mummy girl in yeah that's what i was gonna say message and i think we talked about this in the spoiler section for inca mummy girl where you have buffy relating to a character and the whole choice thing like the inca mummy girl chose to be selfish and to try and kill other people so she could live versus buffy who chose to sacrifice herself for her friends and then this you see ford kind of making the same decision so Mm. i i think that inca mummy girl while fun was not executed as well as this one. This episode think, is just phenomenal.
0: I think this episode's also, it hits Buffy differently because this is a friend that she mm-hmm. obviously was very mm-hmm. close with that means a lot to her. And so knowing that they're going through pain and going through suffering and going through whatever they're going through and that there is something that could help them makes it, I think, a little bit more of a gray area for her because she's not clouded by her... In Inka Mommy Girl, she wasn't as clouded by her emotions. Whereas in this one, like, her emotions are all in it. And so I think that it makes it even more admirable that she chose to do the right thing. But Mm -hmm. also, like, it's even harder
1: because he's human. Whereas Mm -hmm. the Inka Mommy Girl wasn't. And I think the fact that he... I don't know. It it's a lot more home. And I like that they put Inka Mommy Girl first because it's like this person that's supernatural. And so you kind of see it in a way of like, oh, yeah, that sucks. But then you see someone who goes through stuff and people actually go through this at a young age and to see him kind of be weak in that sense. And it you understand why. Do you agree with it? Absolutely not. And you see Buffy kind of relate to him at the end. Ugh, we need to sc- stop skipping forward. <laughs> we need to get to that place. But... Like, it's it's harder to watch, like, a human person going through something that people go through in a non-supernatural
2: way. Mm. Yeah. All right. So season two, episode seven, Lie to Me, written and directed by Joss Whedon, and it aired November 3rd, 1997. And we talked about before how the episode is similar to Inca Mummy Girl and message and stuff. But I think one of the things that makes this episode a little bit better than Inca Mummy Girl is it not only has a great message, but it incorporates – drusilla angel and spike in a way that inca mummy girl didn't yeah um, which makes it that much more interesting you know
0: yeah because you're actually bringing in the interesting characters
2: yeah i think inca mummy
0: girl was more
1: gang-centric and this one incorporates everybody you learn more Mm -hmm. things about angel's past you learn more things about drusilla's like there's a lot more that you learn about in this episode
2: yeah i mean jenny's in this one and she wasn't in the inca mummy girl one either you know so this episode is really interesting because we're watching the gang's trust slowly breaking down. We had Buffy mm-hmm. lie to Giles and Reptile Boy. Willow and Buffy stole the diaries from Giles in Halloween. And in this one, almost every single character lies to Buffy, which I think is really interesting. And you watch Buffy kind of struggling with that as she – Finds out that all her friends were doing something behind her back.
1: I think they're also – what's hurtful is they're kind of viewing her as really young. Like, they don't view her in a way that um, they trust her with certain information. And so I could see how that could be really painful.
2: Yeah. Um, The stunt coordinator of the show, Jeff Pruitt, he was a stunt coordinator until season five. He said that this is actually his favorite episode of the series, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, the message of the episode is sometimes telling a lie is kinder than revealing the truth. Hmm. Um, I want to talk real fast about Juliet Landau. She apparently did not audition for the role of Drusilla, and I did not know that.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, Joss Whedon saw her in the movie *Ed Wood* by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. And then he called her in for a creative meeting, not even an audition. He just said, hey, come in. And then she helped kind of create Drusilla in a way. Wow.
1: Wow. You know what? I think I remember hearing that because I think whenever I watch her, I I definitely get like a Tim Burton sense to her character.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, she totally is a Tim Burton character. Yeah. Very gothic, Mm -hmm. very eccentric. Yeah. I was reading an interview with Juliet Lando about uh, her character as Drusilla and she says, she doesn't think of Drusilla as evil. And Joss we didn't even told her. He goes, I can tell you don't think of Drusilla as evil by the way that you you portray her. And the way that she plays Drusilla is that Drusilla herself doesn't think she's evil. Mm. Which I thought was really interesting in watching her, her yeah. you know, act it out on camera. That's very smart. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. Um, Okay. So the episode opens – on a very creepy merry-go-round. And if you look in the back, you can see the wall for the studio where they built the cemetery. So you know that they like built this playground right there and like took out all the headstones to make it like a different location. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, funny. I
1: kept thinking throughout this whole scene. It's like, why is this kid's mom not showing up? Yes. Like at 8 p.m., 8 9 <laughs> yeah. p.m. He's like, ah, well, oh, my mom's late. And I'm like, why are you even there the first place and no one is
0: around? Yep. No, I put that down in my notes too. I was like, listen, I'm fully aware of the fact that like kids are gonna play and stuff but like why is this gonna load there's no friends there nothing yeah. just playing there alone when it's super dark in sunnydale
2: like makes no sense yeah his mom is in full-on denial she's like there's no vampires there's nothing even if there happening.
0: wasn't vampires like there's still kidnappers and all that like <laughs> maybe drusilla got to the mom first no no oh shoot, <laughs> that's the only thing, maybe.
2: maybe i can think
1: of that's the only thing
2: she asked where his mom was, so I don't know, but she is also a little cuckoo. So Ford, at the very end of the episode, tells Buffy, like, when his alarm goes off, he's like, oh, it's 6.57 p.m., sundown. So if it's 6.57 and the sun is going down, that makes it late October or, like, mid-October. Um, so it, the sun looks fully down where this kid is at. So it's got to be, like, 7, 7.30. Who is leaving their kid out yeah. at a playground at 7.30 at night? Like, yep called child services man bad
0: parenting yeah for real
2: neglect yeah Yeah. i did relate with him come on mom she's always late i was like yeah i relate with that (laughs) yeah i know um okay so drusilla's song that she sings is
1: so creepy that her mom sang to her she says the lamb is caught in the blackberry
0: patch i i was gonna say actually that this is the first time in the show that i've been genuinely creeped out by a villain like the master doesn't scare me. He had scary aspects, but he didn't scare me. Spike is scary in the fact that he's very unpredictable, but Drusilla is a very just
2: creepy villain. Yeah, and the the makeup artist specifically did her makeup to make it look like a snake. Yeah. Which mm. I find yep. really terrifying. I think Juliet Lando is actually a gorgeous woman, yeah. but with the makeup and everything and look of Drusilla, I think she's terrifying. I agree. Yeah, do. I agree. And the way that she appears in this episode, like you literally, you spin almost all the way around the little boy and then when you when the camera finally stops, she materializes from the background and it's mm. so creepy. And I
1: think it's, I mean, I know they're playing into her mental state right now because she's wearing like a nightgown, but I think it's creepier that she's wearing that, but also the fact that she's wearing white and you pin around and you see the white dress first. If she was wearing black, I don't think I would have seen her. Okay.
2: So she's not actually wearing a nightgown. <laughs> She's wearing a baby doll dress. It's very much of the – I'll have to look it up, but it's Looks kind of like what a Victorian, Victorian, like a Jane Austen dress. It's very gothic horror. Like that's the vibe they were going for. Um, but it's white, and I think it's interesting that it's white because I think they're trying to kind of show how she has like a twisted sort of innocence. Mm. Um, so that she comes in, and she sings that creepy song, and I think that's interesting that she says the lamb because, again – We had Spike call Buffy poor lost little lamb in Halloween. Mm -hmm. We had the master calling Buffy a lamb as well, which is a little creepy. It makes sense. It
0: definitely plays on the predatory Mm -hmm. aspect of things. Yeah. um, Just because it makes sense because it's like they kind of see – like vampires kind of see people as like a hunt as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, What will your mommy sing when they find your body – i know oh, <laughs> terrifying
0: the kid doesn't even pick it up too. he's just like just
1: stands there and then angel he's like i'm not
2: t- supposed to talk to people I like know, it's not just, strangers it's people it,
1: and then angel pops up and he's like run away
2: and angel even the way that he jumps in there too is really scary it like, is how he just kind of pops in there's like that jump scare yeah
1: he tends to do that a lot he'll just pop in yeah he, randomly. that's true
2: <laughs> he does but do you notice like Angel's body language, because in this episode, we find out that Angel sired Drusilla, and not just that, but he actually tortured her beforehand, too. But you see him kind of, like, steal himself and gather himself before he turns around to talk to Drew, and it's almost like her presence affects him. Well, you
0: could tell they haven't seen each other in a long time. I think the way that I interpret it was, like, he was very gentle with her. Like, Even the way that he was, like, talking Mm. to her, the way that he addressed her, like, it was kind of, like, how an angry brother would talk to their little sister. I kind of viewed it as guilt. Like, he was a lot more soft-spoken. Yeah, I did, too. I Like, I definitely think it was from a place of, like, feeling guilty and, like, feeling a sense of ownership over her because, like, everything she does is because of him. Yeah. But I think that the way that he portrays that is very, like, soft.
2: Yeah, well, and I mean... At this point in the episode, you don't know why he's responding to her the way that he does i mean Mm -hmm. you're probably going wait what's going on why doesn't he just kill her because she's obviously with spike and then he knows her are they brother and sister because then you know she talks about how he remembers the song her mom used to sing so then you're like whoa is this someone that's related to him you know and then okay that would make sense why maybe he isn't killing her but then the way that she moves to him and puts her hand on his chest is very intimate that is not sibling like but
0: she also says like my angel yeah she doesn't say like oh angel or anything and like he he doesn't react as if like well like i don't know you like that like it's very obvious and i think that this is why buffy gets upset because of the interaction like it's very obvious that they have a very close history
2: yeah absolutely yeah her body language just screams intimate like we know each other Mm -hmm. um yeah and i and i agree with you tabs like there is definitely guilt you can see that Mm -hmm. he says hello drusilla And then she says, do you remember the song mommy used to sing to me? He says, I remember. And he just looks really sad in that moment. Yeah,
1: well, he tells her, he's like, you and Spike should leave town. She's like, or what, you'll hurt me? And then he kind of like looks down, kind of looks like sad, like he remembers. And then she's like, no, you can't, not anymore.
2: Which is such a double meaning because one, he can't hurt her because now he has a soul and a Mm -hmm. conscience. But two, he can't hurt her because I think now he has guilt. Too, you know, and because of Buffy, like she talks about how he can't hurt her because of Buffy having such an influence. Yeah,
1: his heart stinks of her.
2: Yep, I love this transition when he says "who," and then it pans up, and then mm-hmm. you hear the voiceover: "The Slayer is Buffy's walking up in the dark on the rooftop." So yep. good.
1: She says, "Poor little thing. She has no idea what's in store."
2: Oh, that's not ominous. I don't know what is, man. Then Buffy sees Angel and Drusilla looking, you know, close. And you can tell it bothers Buffy. Um, Angel says, this can't go on Drusilla. It's got to end. And she says, oh, no, my pet. This is just the beginning.
0: It's interesting that she calls him my pet because that's what Spike calls her. Oh. And so it's definitely like a term of like endearment and a term of I care for you.
1: Because I think that she's like super obviously in love with Spike and they have a relationship. But I think that there's like a certain relationship especially in the vampire world, by somebody who sires you. So I think it's like she views him as somebody who's like, I don't know, just means a lot to her. They have a history. They have a past. So by her calling him, that makes total sense.
2: Yeah. No, it really does. Yeah. And I wrote intentionally written to sound like maybe Angel's having a relationship with Drew. Either way, there's a history there. Mm. Um. So we go to the school hallway and the scene is just cracking me up because Jenny is going to take Giles on a secret date and Giles wants to know what to wear. And she's like, do you own anything else? <laughs> I feel yeah. for him. Cause like, I hate surprises.
1: And so I would hate like having a date where they're like, not telling me what it's about. Cause I'm like, well, it's fair. It's like, what shoes do I wear? Are we going to be walking around? Are we going to like, if we're going to Disneyland, I want to wear something that's comfortable. Or it's like, are we going to the beach? Are we going like, you know, whatever it may be but like you can see him be so stressed he's like not enjoying the fact that he doesn't know what to prepare for such a five
2: he hates surprises (laughs) yeah and she says to him rupert you're just gonna have to trust me which i thought was interesting because this whole episode is lie to me so Mm -hmm. this is literally jenny saying hey trust me and he agrees to and i think that that's showing like the level of their relationship and how close they're getting you know But it's also interesting that that's right after Buffy seeing Angel with this mysterious woman and kind of showing that Buffy's trust in Angel's shaken a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. I also think that it was interesting because the interaction between Jenny and Giles – gives me very much like high school kind of relationship vibes because it's very much like oh like what are we gonna wear like you know what are we gonna do and stuff and so i think it's trying to play on the fact that like jenny and giles what they have is very like innocent and sweet whereas what buffy and angel have is very like kind of complicated and like Mm. i don't know i may be reading into that but you know
2: yeah well there's a contrast there for sure yeah Then Buffy shows up and doesn't tell Giles about seeing Angel and Drusilla, which I think is interesting because she's not lying to him, but she's also not telling him some detail that is probably really important to know. And Giles has been researching Spike, trying to figure out why he's in Sunnydale, which I thought was a really interesting point because we know more than Buffy and Giles do because we're watching Spike and Drusilla. Like We knew Drusilla existed up until this point, and we know that Spike has told Drusilla that he needs to rid the Slayer of Sunnydale so that Drusilla can roam the streets and feed without fear of being killed by Buffy. So we know that's why he's still in Sunnydale, but it's interesting to hear Giles be like, yeah, why is Spike not leaving? Why is he still here? Like, Why would he be drawn to somewhere that already has a Slayer? That doesn't make sense. Buffy is just really reserved during this whole encounter and I think that props goes to Giles for recognizing that because sometimes his head can be in the clouds so much, but the fact that he notices that Buffy is glum as he puts it. And then he says, you can have the night I know. off.
0: I know that. That's so sweet. I think it was sweet, but I also partially think that it's because he's in a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> And so he's kind of like, oh, like, you can have the night off so that I can go on my fancy date. Like, Which is so, like, double standard-ish because when she wanted to, like, go on a date with
1: Angel or Owen, like, he kind of, like, made her feel guilty about having the Slayer life. And then
2: it's like, okay, I have a date you could have the night off. I kind of saw it differently because he doesn't have a date with Jenny that night. It's the next night. And he was telling Bucky she could have that night off. Got it.
0: I don't think he's letting her have the night off because he wants to go on a date. I think he's just letting her have the night off because since he's in a relationship, he's a little bit more mushy gushy. And so he's kind of like, everyone gets a night off. Everyone should have that. His head's kind of in the clouds.
2: No, absolutely. But I think he also – I think Jenny has been really good for him. Yeah. Because in the first season, we saw him so stuffy. We saw him, like, all about Watcher Slayer, Watcher Slayer. Like, we don't have time for fun. And this one, you see him, like, going on dates and, like, loosening up. And he's he's learning to get into Buffy's world a little bit, too. And I think that it shows progress in their relationship and Buffy and his relationship that yeah. he sees that she's not having – the best time and he's saying hey go spend time with angel and have the day off you know so i think that that's just showing progress in their relationship yeah i agree and then buffy of course is like oh i don't know angel might have other plans and then walks off and is like hmm that seems odd like normally she would just jump at the chance to have the night off and spend time with angel So, of course, they're all back in class again. And, of course, it's history class because, you know, we all know Buffy struggles with history. I know. Her ongoing battle with history class. And Willow and Buffy are passing notes, which I just love moments like this because it feels so real. It feels Mm -hmm. very high school. And this is definitely something that would have happened, too. Oh, yeah. Totally. Willow says, do you know who she was? And then Cordelia, (laughs) this feels like out of mind, out of sight. I just don't know why everyone was picking on Marie Antoinette. I can so relate to her. She worked hard to look that good and people just don't appreciate that kind of effort. And Xander's over there. His face is so funny. Oh my gosh. He looks bored to tears, but also kind of like he can't stop watching Cordelia because he can't believe what's coming out of her mouth. (laughs) I know. And I mean, once again, we're seeing Cordelia make everything all about her but in the most ironic way possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then buffy writes back to willow says dark hair old dress and then double underlines the word pretty and then willow asks vampire and back in the hallway buffy says i don't know they seem pretty friendly and you could tell she's being intentionally vague because she doesn't want xander to know
1: mm-hmm. yep and then he pries right into it he's like talks about how he gets a happy knowing Angel's doing something wrong.
0: I, yeah. I will say I hated that line, but you do see Xander trying to cheer Buffy up. And so he's like, let's go to the bronze. Like, and he's trying to like make a joke out of it and be like, we're going to dance or we'll mope or whatever. And so like, yeah, there's a little bit of selfishness that spills in there, but I think that overall he is trying to be a good friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're going from like overt – hatred of Angel now to just like snide passive aggressiveness (laughs) which I'll take the downgrade (laughs) yes I agree Uh, yeah then Ford shows up and he says, I'd suggest Oreos dunked in apple juice, but maybe she's over that phase. Okay.
0: Ew. On.
2: It just reminds me of
1: brushing my teeth and then having orange juice afterwards. Ew. It's like the same type of gross. Ugh, That's what I was no.
2: thinking.
0: Either yep. way, though, like I've never been a fan of like dunking any type of food in anything. I remember when I was like first grade or something, I remember I was like, with a bunch of kids and then one of them put all their goldfish in a cup and then put water in it. <gasps> okay,
2: that's gross.
0: And I literally <sighs> think about that every single day. Like I was in first grade <laughs> and I was like ill. Like this is would get putrid. Soggy immediately. Yep. I think they were like, it goes down easier. And I was like, Ugh. So Okay, but
2: that that just shows an inherent design flaw on the, the <laughs> site of people. Like, okay, you know toddlers are going to be eating this food. Why would you make it fish? Because they're going to want their fish to swim. It's just soggy and gross. Either anyway, way. I
1: guess. Yeah. <laughs> so we know they've known each other for seven years. She said that she had a crush on him in fifth grade. Um, And then he said he was a big sixth grader. So he's got to be a year older. So he's a senior at this point. That's so yeah. weird for him to come in like mid-year, senior year. So, like, yeah, that already seems kind of fishy.
0: That's not really fishy. I mean, it sucks, but... Oh, my gosh. It's definitely, like, weird, but there was a lot of people when I went to high school that would transfer
2: because they moved or because of whatever. So, like, it's nothing suspicious. I think it's cute how excited Buffy is to see a childhood friend which we're all like oh no he's gonna die or he's the villain (laughs) or both yeah exactly I wrote down the parallels between Buffy and Ford and Angel and Drusilla are really interesting Yep, Mm. because you have here's someone from Buffy's past I mean he was a crush but still like someone she was romantically interested in and then you have Angel and Drusilla and then how that kind of overlaps through the rest of the episode is just really interesting well
1: I was watching a YouTube video so I've been really really into like watching first time viewers of Buffy like react to certain episodes and so I watched the Light to me one today and the girl like brought up a good parallel she was like, Oh, it's really interesting that they showed both Angel and Buffy's past people in their lives pop in this episode and then not share a lot of what's really going on to other people around them. And yeah. so there's just a lot of different parallels. Um, Some of them kind of cross a little bit, and other ones are a lot more like, oh, this is rough to talk about. But that's yeah. just really interesting. I didn't think about like the, this is the episode where you find
2: out about like Drew and Angel, but
1: they're yeah. both people from each other's paths.
2: Yeah. Well, and it makes a lot of sense because – Buffy's like, I can handle it. I can handle it. When she wants Angel to tell her about Drusilla, and by yeah. the end of the episode, Buffy's going, man, like, I just don't know if I want to know some of this stuff. Yeah. So Xander doesn't look too pleased that Ford is there. No, shocking. Uh. Yeah, I know. We're all shocked. Yada yada. Moving on. <laughs> and then Buffy talks about how she moped over oh, the him song.
0: for <laughs> I laughed so hard when she was like. I uh I cried to that that one song that's called like touch me or whatever. She's like, I didn't I know what it myself. meant. I yeah,
1: she's myself, like well, yeah. I think it's funny afterwards Willow's like, That's what that song means. Yeah. Yeah, you can see
2: her over there like processing for like ten minutes. Yep. And so then she invites Ford to the bronze and he's like, But if you guys already had plans, would I be imposing? And Sandra's like, Only in the literal sense.
1: <laughs> so they cut to the bronze and they're playing pool, and they he jokingly talks about how he knows all of Buffy's darkest secrets.
0: What she wasn't lying. It's funny to me, though, because if you guys watched when Ford goes to kind of like hit one of the balls, he moves the cue and he misses his hand and it kind of like hits the table and then he has to like move it back. I don't know. I don't know if it was on purpose or whatever, but he like because you're supposed to put it like on your hand and then kind of like shoot and he missed his hand and then he had to like it was like this awkward moment go back and watch it i laughed but he like misses (laughs) it and then he like has to like put it back and no one like reacts but it's just like really i laugh so
2: hard yeah and i think it's interesting that he talks about buffy's beauty pageant swimsuit competition because when buffy filmed i know what you did last summer right before this season came out there's a part where that character is in a beauty pageant and it's a swimsuit oh, competition, really? and the character loves her hair and ends up getting it cut in the Yikes, in the movie by the bad guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And for you can't touch me, Summers. I know all your darkest secrets. And Xander's up there like, care to make a <sighs> wager on that? Like, if I was Bobby or Willow, I would have like kicked yeah. him under the table and been like, you yeah. seriously need to stop. It is not. I your actually secret to will tell. say though,
0: Xander in the scene had me dying. Like, he's like, he was not wrong. No, yeah, he was really funny. Like, he just was very, like, dry and subtly like, taking jabs at him. But it wasn't,
2: like, super obnoxious and annoying. It just kind of – it was funny. Like, I really liked it. Well, I think he was taking pleasure in the fact that Ford doesn't know, or at least mm-hmm. he didn't think that Ford knew. And so he's kind of, like, saying things that Ford would think he was agreeing with him. Yeah. But in actuality, he's, like, making fun of him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Xander's inside joke with you know breaking the fourth wall with the rest of us.
0: Yeah, Xander's inside joke with himself. Yeah, right. and
2: us and Willow just ignores him the entire time. She's like, whatever. Yep.
0: Buffy
1: runs into Angel, and then she kind of gives him the cold. Well, shoulder. she asks
2: him what he was doing that yeah, night.
1: It's yeah, and then he doesn't like tell her anything. He's oh, I just stay home and read, and she's like, oh.
2: And then she just yeah. kind of, like,
1: walks away, and he's like, uh. And so he just kind of awkwardly
2: follows her back. Yeah, this part was so awkward because, like, she knows he's going to follow her. She knows he's behind yeah. her, and Ford's kind of, like, staring at him, mm-hmm. says hi, and Willow does the really kind thing, and, like, just says hello, and then Buffy has to introduce them, and Ford says, whoa, cold hands, which I was like, <gasps> is Angel cold? Sandra's like, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, no, yeah. no, Angel. Yeah, Angel's supposed to be cold because he has no blood flow. He's well, dead. I know, but, like, how would that be kissing him?
0: Oh, uh, uh-huh. that'd be uh, weird. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That is weird. Honestly, I will say, like, I love Buffy, but one thing I've never understood. One, how vampires can have sex. Use your imagination on that one. I'm not going to explain it. But also just, like, how any type of, like, connection works because like they're technically dead and like their heart doesn't pump it it doesn't make sense to me
2: i mean they have no breath remember and then the hand (sighs) just like i don't think it's just a buffy thing though like vampire
1: diaries everyone oh yeah i mean ultimately like the thing i'm sure other like universes
2: explain it better but it's never explained in the buffy verse so the way that it is typically supposed to be is that vampires don't have blood flow because they're dead. That's, That's why thinking. they need to drink yeah. blood. When they drink other people's blood, it's what keeps them warm. It's what helps them live and like, you know, all that stuff. So hypothetically, if we're saying they're feeding enough, then maybe their body works semi-normal. I mm-hmm. don't know. Anyways, so Angel's clearly very jealous And is also kind of suspicious of Ford, which I think it's really interesting that Angel's instincts seem to be spot on. Mm -hmm. Like he kind of pegs Ford from the instant that he talks to him.
0: I think part of that is the fact that like Angel's lived really long. And so he's seen what a show (laughs) that people put on, like he's seen it up close. And so I think that he's just, he knows how to read people pretty well. Well, especially Mm -hmm. since like this episode, we find more about
1: his past. So you can kind of tell that he's not only been through a lot, but he's also like done a lot of stuff in his past. So we can kind of see a lot of the same mannerisms. Um, but then also like in that conversation with Willow in her room, he says, I know people and my gut is telling me
2: this isn't a good guy. Yeah. And I think Angel's also very protective of Buffy. I yeah. think in this instance, his warning signs are going off because he's going, okay, Buffy's a slayer. So people would have a lot to gain from knowing that information and using that against her. So he's going, okay, if someone is coming here from her past where she used to slay, there's a chance that they are coming for devious reasons or purposes. Yeah. And then Willow is very kind. She invites Angel to play. I know. I saw she said, you could play with us. So sweet, man.
0: I know. Willow was just like, overall, like, I always love Willow. But I honestly really appreciated how kind she was to everyone in this episode. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then Buffy says, you know, it's getting really crowded in here tonight. Um, I'm a little hot. And it's so awkward because she's like in between Ford and Angel. And I just got flashbacks. Oh, yes. And then it's just awkward. Like they're both just like staring at each other. And and Angel's like, you could see his brain like calculating. Yeah, Yeah, processing. And he's like, so he just moved here? And (laughs) Xander, yeah. And boy, does he move fast. Yeah, I love that line and willow well angel we could all still play
0: i know she's just so kind i know and i also think that there's a part of her that really roots for buffy and angel therefore she does whatever she can to kind of like make sure that they don't break up i
1: think she's also living vicariously through their relationship as well Mm -hmm. she's like if i can't have romance you guys should
2: be able to yeah in the alleyway could you imagine that conversation after having that incredibly awkward encounter with Angel? Ford's like, so that was your boyfriend? And Buffy's like, no. uh, Yeah. uh, Maybe. And then could we lay off the tough questions for a while? I'm like, that's a tough question? Say yes, girl. We all know he's your
0: boyfriend. I mean, I think it's hard because it's like, obviously, like, he is her boyfriend. But it's also kind of hard because it's like. Uh, like he shouldn't be her boyfriend yeah well and it's also like he's a vampire and they haven't really had the conversation of like you're my
2: boyfriend you're my girlfriend type thing so but it's interesting because later in this episode buffy tells him she loves him for the first time like
1: yeah well i mean they they kind of tackle like the elephant in the room he's like do you love me
2: well i took it as uh do you trust me kind of thing, too. By her saying, I love you, I mean, she says, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I trust you after that. But I think for Angel, that's what he was looking for as well. And that's why she responded the way that she did. Anyway, sorry, we keep jumping ahead. Um, um, Buffy hears a crashing noise, brilliantly asks Ford to go get her purse that she left because she did not leave her purse. So Ford would be in there searching for yeah. a while. It was very clever on Buffy's part. Yeah, yeah. Finally,
0: a good lie, she says. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to lie. For someone whose, like, job depends on them lying, she She sucks at it. (laughs) That is true. Like, someone will be like, oh, Buffy, like, where were you last night? And she's like, oh, you know, uh, at the movie theater, getting popcorn. It's like, what the (laughs) heck? Like, just say you were home.
2: So, yeah, Ford hears the scuffle, decides to come back. A girl runs past him crying, sees Buffy slay a vampire, which – I will say I love season two, but the person Sophia Crawford, the girl they got to I was to be about to say it was really double. obvious. The hair wasn't even the same. Yeah. It's so obvious when it's not actually Sarah Michelle Geller. Which to be honest, I kind of enjoy because I like to see which stunts Sarah mm, does. That's um, true.
1: But like as like an average viewer, it is kind of takes you out of the scene a little bit. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally. So then Bobby again gives a feeble excuse about cats and how like they were fighting or something. And then Ford reveals that he knows she's the Slayer. And I thought it was interesting he didn't just say a Slayer. He says the, which means this dude has done research. Yeah, he, he knows. knows.
0: Yeah. Well, to be fair, I feel like if you're going to be a vampire, you really should read up about vampires. And I feel like the first thing you would find out when you look up vampires would be the
2: Vampire Slayer. Yeah. No, that's true. But I just think it's interesting, like, from her standpoint for Buffy's, she has no clue this guy has any knowledge. And he says the vampire slayer. That should be like a huge red flag, I think.
0: I feel like it should be a huge red flag that he just knows in general. True.
2: Yeah. And he waited like two years to come find her and tell her.
0: And yeah, I-, I would be like, "Uh, that's cool that you know, but like, how and why do you know? also, why are you here then?
2: Like, yep. there
1: must be a reason why. I mean, if you're friends with someone for seven years, though, my immediate thought wouldn't think, oh, he's doing something that's sketchy. I would probably want to believe him. So it makes sense.
0: Yeah, but if you're a yeah. vampire slayer, you might, you know, be a little bit more aware of people's bad intentions.
2: The way that they shot this episode is just really well done because they utilize their scenes where they have to do exposition. So they utilize the scene where Buffy and Willow are on the phone talking to each other about Buffy's conversation with Ford. And I love that because you get to see enough of Buffy's relationship with Ford, but what you're really establishing is Buffy and Willow's relationship. Yep. Instead of having that conversation through Ford, a character that we're only supposed to care about for this episode and not any further, you save that important conversation for with Willow, who we want to see that her and Buffy have a close friendship, you know? Yeah.
0: And I like that we're seeing more and more of like, Buffy and, like, Willow just, like, hanging out and talking as, like, best friends would.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's just – it mm-hmm. makes things real, and it's just really cute. Um, so, Board found out that Buffy was a slayer right before she got kicked out of her old school at Hemery, and then Willow asks if it is neat, and Buffy thinks it's easier since he won't figure out her dark secret.
0: Dun-dun-dun this makes so much sense though because like taking him out of it it makes sense that there would be some creepy weird fan club for vampires in sunnydale <laughs> because like yeah right people will idolize and worship anything but it also just makes sense that people would one be aware of vampires but to be curious about them
1: yeah but also like it it makes sense like sometimes like They can kind of put things into episodes a little bit where I'm like, it only makes sense for the plot, but it doesn't really make sense for the show as a whole. But I will say this makes sense for Sunnydale because since people don't really see people get dusted and there's this whole like, are they real or are they not? It makes sense that there's going to be this huge group of people who are going to be attracted to that. And then they can make up stories in their mind to make them seem good and make them seem like something that, that they want to be.
2: Yeah, it's part of the denial process. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Which is another foil to this whole episode talking about how people lie to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they're sitting there and they're lonely and they're sad. And then they're just kind of grabbing onto this hope of something that they think will help their life be better, which is a lie. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I wanted to talk real fast. So when Ford enters into the club there's like a really cool song that plays so when this episode was first broadcasted they had a different song that played it was supposed to be neverland by the sisters of mercy from their album floodland and later broadcast it was replaced by a track called blood of a stranger which was especially composed for the episode Um, it just came down to copyright issues but i think that's really interesting because i'd love to get my hands on that first recording and see, like, what that song was. Or I guess I can look up the song. But I would be interested to see it in context with the scene.
0: Yeah. yeah, Because, I mean, we've definitely seen that music is purposeful in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen
2: this
1: episode so many times, and I feel so embarrassed to say this is the first time I've noticed that Ford takes pills in this scene. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've never noticed oh, that. Oh, wow. I didn't know you didn't know that. There's a lot of hints. And yeah. he coughs a couple times out of the uh-huh. episode before, he, you know, and like I noticed the coughings, but he does it while well, like in the middle of a conversation mm-hmm. and it seems very natural.
2: So we see there's a solid metal door and a man, in Diego, in a blue magician looking cape asks Ford, it, how's it going? Okay, so fun fact, the actor who plays Diego, his name is Jared Paul, and he wrote the screenplay for Yes Man. Oh, no way. He also played in Monk. He's Monk's obnoxious, long-winded neighbor.
0: (gasps) I love the neighbor! (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> isn't that funny yeah i don't remember his character's name but i remember him that's mm-hmm. funny
2: yep this episode is full of some really interesting characters i can't wait to talk about it okay so yeah ford pulls out his pills which he says is ritalin and then says everything is going to be fine he
1: says in two days we'll all get to do the two things american teens should have the chance to do he says die young and stay pretty which i felt like was such a callback to prophecy girl she literally mm-hmm. like died young and mm-hmm. then was like well, I'm still pretty, and then kills the master.
0: Which, I mean, can also be seen to show that, like, their dream and fantasy, like, Buffy has kind of gone through, and they aren't what they seem to be. Exactly. Mm, That's a good point, Leah.
2: And I think it's interesting that Diego wants to know the plan and doesn't know what's going to happen, which is the first clue that, I mean, you don't know what Ford has planned, but it's just, you're like, hmm, Ford's not telling them the plan. Yeah. Yeah, he's using them. Um, and then he, there's a vampire movie going on. It's actually Dracula playing and he mouths, you play your wits against mine, me who commanded armies hundreds of years before you were born fools, which I think is really interesting and foreshadowing the fact that Ford wants to be seen as one way. He wants to be the person in charge. Like he talks about, oh, this played out in my head and just like a movie. And like he, he baits Buffy, he baits Spike even. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Ford is the one who's actually the fool, not all mm-hmm. the people that he calls sheep, you know.
1: Uh-huh, but he views everyone else as fools mm-hmm. because he's like I'm the one who's controlling everything that's going on. I've thought about every single possibility. He thinks that he's really foolproof with all of his plans.
2: Yeah. Which is so ironic because it's like, dude, you aren't even going to be in control of your body when the vampire or the demon takes over, you know? you really have no control He's holding on to any sort of life though like in his mind he's like
0: yeah because i mean buffy even tells him that and i think that he just honestly wants to be alive i think he doesn't care what the cost is and i i don't even think that he's really grasping that he won't be himself i just think he's wanting to stay alive at any cost
2: yeah he's just desperate for sure um, I love this scene with Willow in her room. So she's upgraded her computer. Remember an I wrote about you, Jane, she had a desktop. Now she has a laptop. So. Oh. Fancy. Good for her. <laughs> Angel knocks at her door, which I really love Willow's room. It is really cute and mm-hmm. spacious. If it's her. She has doors that go outside. Like, how cool is that? Honestly, that's kind of creepy,
1: though. My first thought would be, like, anyone could come in. That's true. I will say, though, like, this
0: scene is really cute to me because, like mm-hmm. – Willow just helps him, even though she knows he's kind Mm -hmm. of mainly doing it out of jealousy. Like, she helps him because she knows that, like, he really cares about Buffy. And so she trusts that, like, what he's doing is honorable. And it's just very sweet. But also, like, what's the harm of, like actually
1: researching somebody you know nothing about, you never know what's going to pop up. So like what's – like you might as well. I think it's
2: such a foreign concept back then. It's so common now. But back then, they were just discovering that they had access to the internet and to all those things and could look into people. And so it felt like an invasion of privacy versus now we kind of willingly put all our information out there for people to find and discover about us. Mm. Um, But I love that Willow Heights are brought when he comes in. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't even yeah. catch that. It's all bad. That's the bed. funny. Yeah, she like grabs it and then she's like, um, "I, uh, I'm not supposed to have boys in my room." And he says, "I promise to behave myself." I know. And He's like, you could tell he's almost trying not to laugh. It's really cute.
1: I know. Well, because she's so innocent, like she's never been and she's never kissed somebody at least that we know of.
2: I would imagine she hasn't um, kissed anybody.
0: Well, if she's been into yeah. Xander for who knows how long, she definitely oh, hasn't kissed no. anyone. <laughs> um
1: and then she's like if i say something you really don't want to hear promise not to bite me and he's like oh is it because i'm jealous and she's like well you tend to get that way and he says you know i never used to things used to be pretty simple 100 years just hanging out feeling guilty (laughs) then she comes along yeah i get jealous
0: but it's also just sweet because i think that obviously not severe jealousy but i think minor jealousy is just a sign to show that you care about someone like you're not going to You're not going to get jealous if you don't care about that person. And so I think that it shows. And he didn't go overboard. Yeah. He didn't go overboard. But I think that like, I don't want to be like, you know, Mm. if you're not getting jealous, you don't love that person. Like, obviously, like everyone is different. But I think that it's sweet that he cares enough to be a little bit jealous.
2: Yeah. And I I love it. I think that a romantic relationship is legitimately the only valid time that you are allowed to be jealous about something. Mm -hmm. Because you are – you want their attention all for yourself. And obviously, there's a healthy and a non-healthy spectrum, like a ratio, you know? Obviously, you're not to the point where you're like controlling every aspect of their life. But if you feel like they're into somebody else, like I think those feelings are valid, you know? Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And I love – like I think you mentioned this, Tabby, how Willow stops and like turns around and listens to him and – Seeing him be so sincere and pour out his heart is kind of the turning point for Willow, and she's like, "Okay, I'll help you," because she sees that his motives are right. Yep. Well, and then she ends up finding out he's actually not in school records. Yep.
1: Yeah. Which this kind of reminds me of I Robot, you Jane, because she (laughs) she went through the database at school again. Yeah. But this is crazy that she has access to it at her house. It's not just like at the school library. Like she knows how to break into it in her own right.
2: No, she's like insanely talented. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't have any records at Sunnydale. He's not even registered. Um, And they agree to meet again at sunset the next day. Willow's going to keep looking. And I think it's interesting that Willow's uncomfortable with lying to Buffy. Um, yeah. And Angel says, just don't bring it up until we know for sure. Which, cut to the school hallway. And Willow is worse than at lying than Buffy, the Buffy is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's so bad. And I like how she like does that like weird crazy laugh and is like <laughs> coffee, it makes me jumpy. I um, know. But
1: I also like noted her, the, her responses are so formal. She's like, I cannot hang with you just now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's so formal. I know. I just find it so sweet that like Willow feels so bad just betraying Buffy even if it's like yeah. in the smallest way.
2: She's very loyal. Very sweet. Um, and then Giles is giving Buffy Miss Callender's beeper number in case she needs study help since they'll be on their yep. date. <laughs> this is
1: another small example of him like lying for her secret identity. He's like, okay, like I have to make up a lie in front of Ford. Um, And then he tells her, he's like, you're not uh, by any chance forsaking your secret identity to
2: like impress cute boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also think it's funny because as we find out later, Giles, once again, doesn't like secrets. I think he's giving her the beeper number in hopes that she will call him so that he can get out of this date that he's not sure about.
0: <laughs> yeah, he can have a buffer. I interpret it more as like he gave her the beeper number because he's like so worried that like something's going to happen and he's not going to be there for her. Yeah. And so he's always that's like true. it's
2: kind of like a stressed out dad. It's very sweet. And then I love it buffy's he's like no, you go have fun. Like so sweet. I just I I love their relationship. I love how it's evolving. I love where we're seeing more and more of Giles stepping into that father role. It's just, it's so pure. Very natural. So Buffy's giving Ford the tour and they see vampires. But how big is that school? Like, was she giving them the tour of the entire school for all those three hours? Or see, they- I
0: think she was giving him a tour of the town. And then they just ended up back at the school again? Yeah. Hmm. How bizarre.
1: Just, <laughs> only in Sunnydale would there be a massive school and then five feet away the graveyard. Because that. there's so many students that die, and you have to end up burying them.
2: They're like, "Well, good thing the graveyard is right next door. might yeah, as well."
0: They're like, oh. <laughs> they're Like, what's the most practical decision to put our graveyard?" <laughs> the high school. It's not even.
1: It's not even really a graveyard right away. It's like a crypt. They walk right over to like this massive crypt, and that's then true. Buffy falls into a graveyard, but they're like
2: everyone. Please, come take your children to this school. We conveniently have a graveyard right next door for when they inevitably die. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's extremely practical. Yeah. Well, okay, is the graveyard actually right next to the school? I don't think it is because in- I saw it from a distance. Oh, you it, did? You saw like oh. – yeah. It
1: wasn't like right next to it, which could have just been the set. I mean, probably was. Yeah. could have just edited it out in the background, but whatever. Yeah,
2: very likely. That would
1: break their budget. <laughs>
2: I love that Buffy pulls out two stakes, one for Ford, one for her, and then Ford like pulls out his cross. We're all like, Yeah, that's not gonna cut
1: it. Well, he he had his own. No, she gave him the cross. That's what was like another red flag is he pulled out his own stake. Oh. She she handed him a cross and then he pulled out
0: his stake. Which I think means something because like if she were gonna go out patrolling with Xander or willis Mm -hmm. she would give them a cross because a cross is one of the things you don't have to fight. You just hold it, and they kind of scared. But if giving him a stake means that like she thinks he can handle himself, that she can, he can fight, and so the fact that he brought his own, you can kind of see her kind of be like, "Oh, it's very odd." You have a stake because it's yeah, it's like a fighting weapon instead of a defense weapon. From what I like
2: have gathered, it seems like if you're gonna stake a vampire, it takes. A level of strength, but it also takes some skill. Like you have to know exactly where the heart is and how to get there in order to be able to dust a vamp. Like it doesn't seem like just anybody can dust a vamp.
1: But also, like you have to penetrate the heart. It
2: can't just be like a shallow wound. You have to like like what Sarah said. You have to have some strength with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Buffy fights the guy vampire. Ford traps the girl and then says the hell will let her go if she tells him what he wants to know. Mm-hmm. Um, With Buffy not seeing that, obviously, us as the audience just see that. And then, okay, so you see the walls to the lot again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just, like, keep building the set around these walls, which is funny. Once you know, then you're like, oh, you see them everywhere. But, yeah. They do a really good job with how low the budget is for the show of making all of the areas seem very, like, new. Bigger? They don't seem like they're oh, yeah. recycling the same spot. It does feel like it's a new area. Um, So Buffy finds Ford, and he's like, I dusted the vampire. And Buffy looks super surprised by that and a little bit suspicious.
0: I don't know why he chose to lie about dusting right? her. I feel like he should have just lied and said, oh, she got away. Because it really came back to bite him, especially
2: since he's the one who sent her to get the book. We see that later on. So then Willow, Xander, and Angel, which this is so weird seeing those three by themselves without Buffy, without Buffy. going. It looks so – it's just weird. Their interactions are just like – Willow is definitely the glue between all three of them.
1: (laughs) And she gets so uncomfortable, which makes the scene so
0: good.
2: Yeah, it is. Willow says that she could only track down the Sunset Club, that there's no paper trail. And Angel says that that's really suspicious. And Xander's like, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Dead Boy on this one. And Angel sounds (laughs) so irritated. He's like, can you not call me that? (laughs) Dead Boy. And then they walk in. I think it's funny
0: seeing this weird alliance between... Uh, Angel and Xander yeah. because they're both like we have a con- common enemy and someone who's with Buffy yep. like, yeah. they're, like we're like are really like
1: it's for <laughs> a
0: very ironically similar reason they're both
1: jealous but yet like yeah. Angel's dating her <laughs> And so, like Xander's, like for some reason, forgets that for a moment and thinks that Ford is the threat, and it's just so funny that they're
2: so united on yeah. something. <laughs> Xander's like, "This is definitely yeah. a level playing field right yep. here." Like,
1: I have a shot, and then Willow. <laughs> yeah. Like, they make it inside. They say they're friends of Ford's. So they walk in. They're like, "Oh, we stick out like a sore thumb." And then Willow's like. Like, I don't understand that phrasing. Like, do you
2: ever look at, like, a a thumb and say, man, that puppy is sore? I also love that Angel's like, all right, let's split up. And Xander's like, okay, bossy the cow. And I was like, dude, okay, do you not remember on Halloween when you were literally giving everyone orders. Like, I don't care if you were a soldier. Like, Angel took it. Like, he didn't argue with it because he knew that what Xander was saying was good advice. Like, why does Xander have to put up a stink every time Angel's like...
0: But I also find it funny because... Xander puts up a stink, but then he ultimately does it because he does recognize that Angel has an authority over him.
2: Or, like, his advice was just good. And I think Xander just has to put up a stink because there's no way he can actually do what Angel wants him to do without somehow saying that he doesn't like Angel. Like, it's just really funny. There are, like, dialogue in this scene
1: is so funny to me. Um, Xander's like, are you sensing a theme here? And she's like, you mean as in Vampire ZA? And he's like, that's the one.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and she's like... (laughs) She, like, he raises her hand like, yay.
1: But it's, like, it's so funny because you walk around and it's, like, you get this campy, awkward feel of the environment where everyone is just grasping onto anything to make their lives seem more interesting. And it's, like, you see, like, this open, like, Mm. coffin and there's, like, someone who's pretending to be a vampire and he's, like, scaring people as they walk by. It's one of those, like, Mm under-budget, like, scare houses from, like, Halloween. That's,
2: like, the vibes I got from it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Fun fact, the vampire who says hi to them and waves to them as they're passing by is Todd McIntosh. He is the makeup supervisor of the show. He's the guy that like does all the prosthetics and all that other stuff. That'd be so fun. Just
1: be a background person. Just like throw me in whatever random scenes
0: you want me in.
2: Yeah. And he actually got a line too. So I mean, he got credited for the show. That's cool. Yeah. So then Chanterelle comes up. You guys are newbies. I can tell. We welcome anyone who is interested in the lonely ones. And Willis like, lonely
1: ones? They refer to like vampires in three different ways. So it's like the lonely ones, they who walk the night, and then what's the other one?
2: What Xander says, the nasty pointy bitey ones?
1: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Which, I mean, again, it comes down to maybe even people lying to themselves in this one. Cause they're trying to, they want their lives, like you were saying, tabs, they want their lives to be more interesting and meaningful. And so they decide to lie and say, Hey, vampires aren't all that bad. We could be like right. them too. And then uh says so many people have that misconception but they who walk with the night are not interested in harming anyone they are creatures exalted above us and angel says you're a fool which is an interesting choice of words because that's literally the Dracula. quote from Dracula mm-hmm. yep and did you guys notice Xander's face when he said that And Xander looks really shocked that angel was so blunt and upfront with his hatred of what they're doing well I
0: don't I don't blame him like
2: No, not at all. Because, like,
0: I think that usually we see Angel either be, like, kind of reserved or, like, and so the fact that he's so bold, it would just be, like, you're being foolish, like, you're a fool. It makes sense because he's, like, coming from someone who has a soul and has seen what real vampires are and is one. Like, you're an idiot for thinking anything other than the truth. Yeah,
1: I think he hasn't really given Angel any like opportunity to see himself in like a heroic way or someone who's outspoken. I think he only really sees him as like um someone who just pops up in and out. And cause I don't know, he doesn't really interact with angel that much. It's usually just at the bronze and then him and Buffy interact and then leave. So I think he's kind of shocked to see angel in this manner.
2: Well, and I mean the way that angels acting is justifiable because he literally is suffering because of his past con like the past mistakes that he made as a vampire he would give anything to be a human again and so i think in his mind he's going how could you want to throw that away to become what i am and what i am as a monster yeah yep um so then chanterelle gets all offended and walks away and will is like nice meeting you (laughs) i know still so nice well, Xander and Willow are like, no one's going to talk to us. How could you do that? And Angel's like, I've seen this type before. They are children making up bedtime stories of friendly vampires to comfort themselves in the dark, which is another word for lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and Willow, is that so bad? Which I think is a really interesting question to pose to ourselves is, is it worth it to lie to ourselves about what is go- actually going on in life, you know?
0: Well, I mean, we even see that at the end of the episode, like we don't, I don't want to jump in too far, but like, that's literally the whole episode comes full circle because Buffy asks Giles at the end of the episode, like,
2: lie to me. Yeah. And I think that's part of growing up, right? We get to a certain point where the bubble kind of bursts and we realize, wow, like life isn't as amazing as we thought it was mm-hmm. going to be. Um, People aren't as innocent. I'm not as innocent as I once was. And we almost wish for that childhood innocence back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And then this is a horribly funny and ironic moment where he says, these people don't know anything about vampires, what they are, how they live, how they dress. And this guy comes downstairs. It's (laughs) It's like identical to that's the funny part. It's
1: not even just like similar. And they both kind of like look at each other and he gets so uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, my word. I just I love that moment every time. It's just like a little fun wink and a nod of the show being like it's very self-aware of what it's doing. It's just I love it. Um. And then they pass Diego as they discuss why Ford would be hanging with Buffy. So we know that's going to come back to bite them. Ha <laughs> ha. So back in the library, Buffy has beeped Giles and Jenny. Giles seems incredibly relieved. And Jenny's like, "Um, I know you hated the monster trucks. You could have just told me. And Buffy's like, you took him to monster trucks? <laughs> but I also think that, like, this is another instance of,
0: like, lying. Like, he lied and said mm. that he would enjoy it. But then she says, like, you could have just been honest.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Because, I mean, Jenny asked him to trust her. And then – expected kind of a little bit of honesty in return. And I love that Jenny is probably the most forthright person in this episode. Like she's very honest and upfront and I love that.
0: Yep. I love the fact that when she goes, uh, oh, I wanted a change. And he goes, well, it's definitely a change. (laughs) 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 Like super like condescending and just like, "Uh." oh i can't i just
2: wish there had been like a deleted scene of giles at this monster car uh-huh. like whatever it was I like know. Oh, i man. wish they'd taken us to that date that'd be so funny oh man that hilarious missed opportunity yeah i know so buffy wonders why their vampires were on campus which is a good question because we don't typically see them um at the school and then she sees that picture of Drusilla. Um, And Giles is like, yeah, she was killed by an angry mob in Prague. And Buffy's like, no, I saw her with Angel. And then Giles is like, okay. And he goes into his office to get some resources and runs into that blonde vampire who Ford said he was supposed to have killed. Mm-hmm. And she's leaving his office with a book, which dun, dun, dun. The pieces should all be coming together by now, Buffy. Like, yeah. come on. Ford is not a good guy. Back at the warehouse, Drusilla is asking the dead bird why he won't sing. And Spike comes in and he's like, um, because you didn't I love how he's all
0: sensitive about like her feelings. Like she starts to get hurt and he's like, Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. (laughs) I shouldn't have told you that you killed the bird. (laughs) He's like, Would you like a new bird, one that's not
2: dead? Well, and I think it's interesting because he is harsh with her, but he's harsh because he doesn't want her to get hurt. And her being out on her own, she's very vulnerable right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's admirable that he like – apologize sister and i want to say that this is one of the healthier relationships Relations so far seen yeah. on this I episode have, they have uh they have better communication than buffy and angel <laughs> i know
1: you see jealousy right? on both ends though because he gets jealous of angel right mm-hmm. away and then and then yeah. it works back and same thing with angel when it comes to ford oh and buffy and and drusilla wow everyone's jealous mm-hmm yeah it's one whole big jealous Rectangle. And Zandera Ford. Although Giles and Jenny seem to be going strong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're fine. Um, This scene kills me with Spike. Ford comes in. He's like, do I have anyone on watch here? It's called security, people. Are you all
0: asleep? (laughs) I think the line that kills me is like, Ford is like, I know who you are. And Spike goes, yeah, I know who I am too. <laughs> he's just like... It's like, is this going anywhere? So, yeah, he's like so unimpressed with Ford and everything he's saying and just so bored. Well,
2: then he says, or did we finally find a restaurant that delivers? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like a walking snack. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just so funny. Then the blonde vamp shows up with the book and hands it to Spike, says it will be useful. Okay, so fun fact. This girl... His name is Julia Michaels. She's an actress and a stunt woman, so she does all her own stunts as well. This girl performed opposite Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, opposite Keanu Reeves in Point Break, and is currently coordinating or co-coordinating stunts with her husband on David Boreanaz's new show, Seal no Team. Way.
1: Isn't that cool? Well, I'm looking at the script right now, and they named – her um, Julia, her vampire
2: Julia, yeah, like yeah. vampire Julia enters with the book. Yep, she's also done stunts for Jane the Virgin, Two and a Half Men, Grey's Anatomy, Blacklist, How to Get Away with Murder, Person of Interest, Pretty Little Liars, and wow. also was a stunt double for Kate in the movie Holes. Huh. Um. Anyway. So Spike wants to know how he found him, and the blonde is, like, literally standing right there and, like, doesn't say anything. And I just, like – this confused me because the blonde girl could literally have brought Ford to Spike instead of saying, like, oh, this is how you find Spike because they both get there almost the exact same time. It just doesn't make sense.
1: what's interesting in the the script, it says, Julia looks at Ford in fear. She's dead if he gives it away,
0: which is really interesting. I have a huge question. Why did Ford – choose to have Julia take him to Spike for Spike to turn him into a vampire instead of just asking Julia to turn him into a vampire.
2: Well, okay. So Julia didn't take him to Spike. She just told him where Spike was. Um, But the thing is, is that if you're asking a vamp to turn you, you have to give them some sort of an incentive because
1: they have to, like,
2: dra- yeah, they have to drain your blood, like, within an inch of your life, and then you have to drink their blood. And so it's I would a imagine –
0: yeah. Right, a it's big a, it's a bi- thing. it's a big deal, but like he also did say like it would be either her life or that, and so it's like I feel like
1: but also Buffy was there, so like they could just do this whole suck fest, and then Buffy yeah come Buffy back. comes <laughs> around, I was like,
2: what's going on? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right, and I mean he's. He's trusting – he doesn't want Julia to just kill him. He wants her to turn him. So, like, there's nothing in it for this vampire to turn him. She could literally just kill him and it would be no big deal, you know? So, I think he's trying to sweeten the pot a little bit just to ensure that he actually gets to be a vampire. So, I don't know. That's a good question, but uh, I think Ford kind of likes the dramatics of it, too. Like, you can tell, like, he has a way he wants it to play out. And mm. he wants – It to be someone who's powerful that turns him, not just their lackey, which is why he wants Spike to turn him.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, like, I know that we've talked about on the show before how turning someone can be a metaphor of an act of like intimacy or Mm. sex. And I think it's really interesting that he asks Spike to turn him and Spike goes, I just met you. I don't want to spend an eternity with (laughs) you. Which is Which is something but which is something you would Mm. say to like someone who's like, Oh, I wanna have sex with you. You're like, Oh, I just met you. Like it it's Spike kind of showing like, Oh, I don't know you like that. We're not intimate
1: like that. I feel Mm. like the only two reasons why vampires sire someone else is for a reason that they don't want to get their hands dirty. They're having someone else do for them because they have that sire bond where they'll pretty much do whatever they say. Or they're like, hey, I want to be with you
2: for all eternity, let's like hang out and do crimes together sort of thing. I don't think the sire bond is a thing in Buffy as it is in Vampire Diaries. I'm not Um, saying it's the same thing. I'm just saying that like there is some sort of like loyalty when it comes to somebody Mm. who sires someone else. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of connection there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ford says, I have something to offer you, and he wants Spike to do the whole theatrics of pulling out the watch and giving him 30 seconds to live. Which I think answers your question, Leah, about not wanting Julia to do it, because he wants the theatrics of Spike. Um, mm. And then says it's tradition. And Spike's like, I don't go for tradition. Like, I literally just killed a kid because I was like, we're done with tradition, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think it's interesting that Drusilla wants to hear him out, because, mm-hmm. you know, she has the gift of foresight and premonition. I'm fairly certain that, like, she has these moments of lucidity where you're like, oh, Drusilla actually is intelligent and knows what she's talking about sometimes, you know? Ford offers him Buffy in exchange for becoming a vampire. Um, and both Drusilla and uh, Spike seem pretty on board with that.
0: I think it's like insane that he came to Sunnydale with the plan of turning one of his old friends into. Vampires for him to become a vampire. Like he reconnected with Buffy, had like Mm -hmm. couple days of like regaining their friendship. Knowing she's probably going to die. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. knowing that she's going to die because of him. Like
1: that's awful. It is one thousand percent awful. But I also like in my mind, watching this as a first time viewer, I'm like, there has to be some crazy reason to make him do something like this if they've been friends for so long. And Mm -hmm. this is one of those only times where I'm like, he's got to be so desperate and scared of just non-existing So when he's so young that he's like, I'll literally do anything.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's layers because Joss Whedon wrote it. So obviously there's there's a catch. There's something else that's going on there. Um, So then we see Buffy's kitchen and she's making tea and her outfit is so cute and her makeup. She looks so dewy and cute here. I just – I love mm-hmm. how she looks. I just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Um, and Angel asks to come in. We need to talk. And Buffy's like, um, you can come in. He's like, I know. I'm just trying to be polite. I like the fact that he's just trying to show that he's as human as possible. Yeah. and Yeah, absolutely. So then he tells Buffy that Ford is not who he seems. And I, I want to give props to Angel. Like, I understand him trying to be delicate about the situation. But I think that it's he gets credit for as soon as he knew what was going on, he went straight to Buffy. And I think that. There's something admirable in that.
1: And she says, well, who is these days? Part mm-hmm. of her, just kind of like, man, like, so much is happening that I wasn't expecting. And I don't know who to believe or what to believe at this point. Because he hasn't been
2: honest with her um, about Drusilla at this point. Yeah. And then it hurts when she finds out that Willow yeah. and Xander helped him. Yeah. I think she feels a little betrayed.
0: I think that she does believe what Angel is telling her about forward but I think that in her mind mm-hmm. she's just like that's not a big as as big a deal to me as it is you lying about Drusilla mm-hmm. yeah
2: Yeah, she wants to know who Drusilla is. And he says, some lies are necessary. Sometimes the truth is worse. You live long enough. You find that out. And Bobby says, I can take it. I can take the truth. And he says, do you love me? Which I think what he's asking her is, is, do you trust me? I mean, he wants to know if she loves him as well. And we talked about this. And then she says, what? And he says, do you? And she says, I love you. I don't know if I trust you. And he says, maybe you shouldn't do either. And she says, maybe I'm the one who should decide. And I love that because yeah. she's mm-hmm. right. She's 100% right. And I think yeah. I understand where Angel's coming from and wanting to protect her because he cares about her. But at the same time, like he still has to give Buffy that choice. He can't just guard her and protect her because it's yep. not fair to her.
1: He goes on to say, I did a lot of unconscionable things when I became a vampire. Gisela was the worst. She was an obsession of mine. She was pure and sweet and chaste. And she says you made her a vampire. He said, first I made her insane. Killed everyone she loved. Visited every mental torture on her I could devise. She eventually fled to a convent. And the day she took her holy orders, I turned her into a demon.
2: Which, whoo. That's a lot. That is a lot. I and to like look at Angel, we're like none of us can imagine that and yeah, it's just crazy.
1: You could tell that she's like really stunned because all she yeah. says is, well, I asked for the truth.
0: And I think it's hard because Buffy kind of caught herself in this situation where she needed to know because like he is her boyfriend and she does need to know what he's done. Yeah. But it's also like I don't want to know it.
1: I feel like Cliff Notes would have been like a good alternative in this moment. She'd be like, yeah, I kind of tortured
0: her and made her a vampire. That's it. I don't know. I think that in order for Angel to feel honest with himself and with Buffy, he needs her to know exactly how bad he was.
2: I think this is just showing another level of their relationship. They're moving forward. Not only has Buffy said she loves him, but... He's being completely vulnerable with her. He's sharing with her about the worst part of himself. And I think that that's huge in their step forward in their relationship. So Angel says Ford is part of a secret society of vampires. I don't know what he wants, but you can't trust him. So Buffy was wearing a white outfit. She had like a tank top with like a off the shoulder sweater over it in that scene with Angel. And then the next scene at the school, when she's about ready to talk to Ford, she's wearing almost an identical outfit. It's but it's all black. And I thought that that was interesting. mm
0: -hmm. This scene's really interesting to me because of how it's filmed. Yes. Um, It's circular and it's moving and it's very quick, whereas every other scene that's filmed with her and him has been very stable, very, usually very still, like, and I think it's kind of supposed to represent how Buffy is feeling kind of spun out of control at this point Mm -hmm. and just kind of like very confused and all over the place and it's supposed to feel Mm -hmm. unsettling.
1: Yeah. Well like his demeanor is supposed to be really different too like in the script it says she tries to smile his own smile seems suddenly predatory and cold Mm -hmm. the camera circles them as they talk so Mm -hmm. like the whole demeanor is supposed to be different she's supposed to pick up on that it says that she tries to smile so it's like you can tell that things aren't steady So I feel like the moving camera is supposed to show, like, the anxiety.
2: The unrest. Yeah. 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 They agree to meet at the school at 9. Sport is a surprise for her. He says it's going to be fun, which is – it's going to be fun sounds predatory. Yeah, it does. And then in the hallway, Willow asks if Angel told her everything. Vouches for Angel. I really liked that. She was like – Angel just was doing what he thought was best. He really cares about you. Um Buffy doesn't seem too happy. They lied to her. She kind of – and I think part of it is she's thinking about what's going to happen with Ford, but I think there's also a little bit of she's hurt. And then Xander realizes Willis said that the angel was in her room. <laughs> I know. He yeah. passes like
1: way after.
2: And Willis like, ours is a forbidden love. <laughs> I know.
0: Oh, my word.
2: So at the club, Chanterelle and Diego ask if it's time to – and they're nervous, um, think they will be blessed, which is a really interesting way to look at turning into mm-hmm. a vampire. And it's so, like, jarring because we've seen vampires be awful up to this point. Mm. Um, and then Diego lets it slip that Angel, Willow, and Xander were there. Ford looks a little stressed but says it's going to be all right. Buffy says, no, it's really not, which I never figured out. But Ford was baiting her. He was expecting that Buffy was going to show up yes. early because he said sundown was at six. 57 or whatever, and he told Spike to be there at sundown, so if Buffy had got there at 9, she would have beat Spike. So, it's interesting that Ford knew that Buffy was going to follow him. Um, And he says, it's drafting here, isn't it? Which is clearly code, but Buffy doesn't recognize. And Diego goes to shut the door. Buffy says, I'm sorry, I couldn't wait till tonight. I'm rash and impulsive. It's a flaw. <laughs> and he says, we all have flaws. I think it's, like, interesting that He
0: shows no remorse. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think because he's gone through so many stages of grief Mm -hmm. in his own life that he's just come to the point where he is numb and does not care what the repercussions are of Mm -hmm. his actions. But I also viewed it as
1: like, he was like, if I allow myself to feel remorse, I won't be able to go through with it. So he has Mm -hmm. to be kind of become more callous and cold in order to Mm -hmm. get through it.
2: Yeah. So Buffy accuses Ford of being a lying scumbag. And he says, everybody lies you wouldn't understand. And Buffy says, I don't need to understand. I just need need to to know. know," Which Mm -hmm. is really interesting comparing with her conversation with Giles at the very end. Because I think for Buffy, everything is black and white. It's like, I just need to know if you're a good guy or a bad guy. you're a bad guy, cool. Stake you. But in this instance, we find out that Ford, it's not – That clear cut, like he's sympathetic and can she still go through with it, you know? And Buffy realizes that it's an ambush. They're going to hand her over. Ford reveals that he was counting on her figuring it out. And then that's when Diego shuts the door and they're all locked in.
0: I think what's so impactful about the scene is that this is a trap for Buffy. And it's all surrounded upon the fact that they are going to kill Buffy. But the first thing Buffy thinks about is the fact that there is a room full of people that are going to die. Mm-hmm. And so she spends all of her effort trying to save them instead of trying to get herself out.
2: Yeah. And that's what makes this episode, I think, a little bit more powerful than Inca Mummy Girl. Because we see Buffy in almost, I won't say the same situation as Ford, but her life is in danger. And she can only think about other people, these sheep that he calls them. And the contrast between her and Ford, it's so... um like she's so self-sacrificing versus Ford and the way he he describes those people versus an Inca Mommy Girl where we know that Buffy's risked her life already, but in this one, we're shown it.
1: Yeah. And I think like Sarah really hit it on the nose when she said like, Buffy has viewed everything as dude, everything is black and white up to this point. And I know we've mentioned that a ton and we saw a little bit of it. And I, we've, we've said this several times, but Inka Mommy Girl. <laughs> but this one is just like it hits a lot harder because it's like you really empathize with him. Like when he sits there and tells her everything, you're like, holy crap. That's like, man, it's got to really, really suck. And we'll get there when he explains more of it. But it's just like it's hard because he's human for one. Um, And he's a corrupt human, but he also has so much pain, and you can see why he's
2: just so scared. And that's what makes this episode so good, is because yeah. we have a villain here who's not so black, or as black as Buffy would like him to be. Yep. Um, Asking the hard questions over here. So we figure out that it's an old bomb shelter. I think he's there's like three feet of concrete everywhere, which, yeah, Buffy's not going to be able to break out of that anytime yeah. soon. And Buffy wants Ford to let everyone go, but Chanterelle says they want to be turned and says that Spike will eat them but not turn them. She says, "Picking out at the all-you-can-eat moron bar. <laughs> so Buffy has some really good liners in this one. I've noticed she comes up with better lines when she's angry. That's true. It is very true. Mm-hmm. Um, and Diego says, okay, that's it. I think we should gag her. And Buffy's like, I think you should try. <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah, you tell them off, Buffy. <laughs> Um, and then she makes fun of Diego. She's like, and oh my God, could you have a dorkier outfit? And Ford's like, she's right.
1: <laughs> well, then he mentions, he's like, well, he's like, I'm going to be one of them. And then she's like, you're going to become a vampire. And he's like, I'm going to. And she's like, vampires are kind of picky about who they change. And then you can see her like understand and realize. And she's like, you're going to offer them a trade. And then he's like, I don't want to talk anymore. And she's like, well, I still feel kind of chatty. <laughs> yeah.
2: Then Ford's alarm goes off and he's like, oh, 6.57 or whatever that time was. He's like, it's sunset. Um, And we see Spike telling his people to share. <laughs> this, is, this is me having a conversation with my children before we go to a friend's house. I was like, guys, share your toys, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then asks Drew if she's up for coming. And I, I never caught this before, but he's actually – he's planning on feeding Buffy specifically to Drusilla. Yeah. Which I was like, oh. Hmm. Which, I mean, how sweet. <laughs> like he's saving the Slayer Offering for slayers <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially since he's had two of them.
2: Yeah. I feel really weird saying that, but I'm also kind of like <laughs> shipping Drusilla and Spike. <laughs> From their perspective, it's very sweet. From yes. ours, not as much. Yes, there you go. At the club, Ford compares himself to Buffy and says they both never give up, which Buffy's like, we're nothing alike. Um, mm-hmm. And then he admits that the people will all die and not be changed. And okay, so I want to play this this one for you because there's, again, there are moments in Buffy that we could quote for you. but. For those of you who've seen the show, you know there's just yeah. also certain moments that you have to play because they're they're just that special.
0: I'm sorry. I had no idea. But what you're doing is still very wrong.
1: Okay, well, you try vomiting for 24 hours straight because the pain in your head is so intense. And then we'll discuss the concept of right and wrong. these people are sheep they want to be vampires
2: because they're lonely miserable or bored I don't have a choice
0: you have a choice you don't have a good choice but you have a choice you're opting for mass murder here and nothing you say is going to make that okay you
1: think I need to justify myself to you?
0: I think this is all part of your little fantasy drama isn't this exactly how you imagined it?
1: You tell me how you've suffered and I feel sorry for you. Well, I do feel sorry for you. And if those vampires come in here and start feeding, I'll kill you myself.
0: Oh, that scene kills me because like, I think it kills me the most when she says, I do feel sorry for you, but when they come in, I'll kill you. Like it's acknowledging Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry you've had a rough life, but that doesn't erase the actions that you're going to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And like even
1: even if you're offered the worst decision of your life where it's like you can hurt other people or your death, you still have an option. Mm-hmm. It's not a good choice, like she said, but it's like go out with dignity.
2: Yeah. And I mean it, there's no justification for – yeah hurting somebody else just so that you can have it better. Like, it's just, there's no justification. Like, two wrongs don't make a right. Like, you're only doing more hurt and more pain. It's just selfish. And I love that moment because – Buffy, like you said, is acknowledging his pain and she recognizes, like, I love that she hears what he has to say and she realizes, oh, snap, like, there's a reason why you're doing this. It's not necessarily because you're evil, but she still stands firm and says what you're doing is wrong. And I think it takes strength to do that.
1: Yeah. I think the saddest part of this episode isn't necessarily this part. This part is incredibly sad, but- I just, like, in my mind, if I were holding that in and then if I were saying that to, to like, a friend, like, telling them my true motive behind something, I feel like I wouldn't be able to go through with it after that. But as soon as that ends up happening, he throws her, smacks her down the stairs and starts, like, beating her up. Like, that's yeah. the
2: saddest part. Well, it goes through with it. Right. Well, the sad part, too, is that they hear Spike's tires roll up and Buffy yes. gives him one more chance. Yeah, She says, please, please. Help me. And he just stares at her. And it, that's the part that I find so sad because Buffy has tried everything to get through to him. And you can tell they had a close relationship and he's still like, and I know, I know this may be controversial, but in, I know a lot of people don't see Ford as evil and as a villain. They just see him as Buffy says scared or afraid. But I have trouble with that because if we're not going to say that, um, oh, what's the guys from, uh, the one we just watched.
0: Oh. Some Assembly uh, Required. Some Assembly was Required, it Eric?
2: Yeah. Is his name or whatever? You know, they Ford knew what he was doing. He knew yeah, right absolutely. from wrong. He had so many chances to rectify the situation and make a different choice. And at the end of the day, he chose not to. And he actively was participating yeah. in killing these
0: well, people and killing Bobby. Yeah. And I think that's what's worse. is like not only was he willing to kill a lifelong friend, he was willing to kill a whole group of people.
2: Like Innocent he was willing people. to. Yeah, he was yeah. willing to
0: commit mass murder and then become a vampire and commit many, many murders as a vampire.
2: Yeah, like absolutely. This
0: was not an isolated incident. Right, and when exactly. I, and what I say by like
1: the fact that I empathize with him, I understand, but I don't agree. And so, like, I can sit here and feel really bad for him, but I do think he is a nasty villain.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think. It's easy to look at it emotionally and go, Oh man, like there's a rational mm-hmm. reason for why he wants to commit murder. No, there never is. And I don't think that, um, I think we should be able to feel sorry for him for what he has had to go through in his life, but that doesn't let him off the hook for killing people. And so yeah. I, I believe he's evil because we mm-hmm. see him make multiple choices and, and decisions to go forward with his plan and show and no what, remorse.
1: And what shows people's character is like, if you're given crappy situation, no one can control that, but how you react to it shows your character. Like you could be thrown all the horrible things in the world, but if you're like consciously going off and trying to hurt other people and do horrible things, like, yeah, I feel bad for you initially, but your response shows your character and like it no longer matters
2: what you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. Joss has said that this line, you may not have a choice, a good choice, but you have a choice, is the core tenet of the show. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is really cool because we'll see over and over and over again, Joss is a huge, huge proponent of free will. And in this moment, did Ford choose to have the brain tumors? No. Did he choose to be in so much pain and suffering and die that way? No, but he still has a choice of how he wants to, to respond to that anyway moving on spike pulls up she begs for to help her stop he refuses and then he throws her down the stairs um i think it's interesting that as soon as the door opens and spike comes in chanterelle is immediately afraid yep she can see them for what they truly are yep spike bites chanterelle and buffy is Uh, Fighting Ford, she knocks him out and then sees the van. And this is sad. She sees all the vampires killing all the people, which I mean, it is their decision, but it's still heartbreaking to see somebody bear the consequences of their bad mistakes and decisions. Um, And sees Drusilla alone, which I was like, okay, Spike, poor strategy man. Why did you go after this girl? I would leave her at home. She's so weak.
0: I think that. Spike just really thought that they had this on lock, Mm. that he just wasn't paying attention. But I feel like it was really stupid of him to not go for Buffy first instead of all the other people.
2: Exactly. Yeah, go for – stop. And I think that's just Spike underestimating Buffy yet again, which he shouldn't be because, like, he's seen the videotapes. Like, I don't know. Anyway, plot device. So she jumps up, grabs Drusilla, and holds the stake there and – Spike instantly tells everyone to stop and leave all the people alone.
0: I think just as much as Spike has been observing Buffy, Buffy has been observing Spike. She Mm. knew that Drusilla was his weakness because any other vampire, that wouldn't have worked for them. But she knew that Spike had a weakness in Drusilla. Mm.
2: Yeah, I wonder if like Angel – told her that when their conversation, if they'd had something where he kind of said, hey, you know, Drusilla is Spike's weakness or something. I don't know. Um, Which, okay, that is that is one thing. Okay, why did Angel not tell her about, well, I mean, I know why he didn't tell her about Drusilla before this, but don't you think that would be a wonderful tactical advantage yeah. to tell her about that? Like, I don't know. Especially
1: if she's insane. I'm sure there's gotta be some mental stuff you could do against her if you need to in a fight
2: that could help mm-hmm. you. Or if you know that she has like premonition and visions and stuff. like Yeah. This is kind of something I need to know. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Also, I think it's very interesting, very interesting that Drusilla has visions and dreams and was someone that Angelus was obsessed with and that Buffy has visions and dreams and she's someone that Angel loves. Mm -hmm. Like I think they're showing a correlation between Drusilla and Buffy. Once again, hammering home my theory that every single character is a little mirror of Buffy herself. So Buffy's really smart. She makes sure that everybody gets out, and then she literally throws Drusilla at Spike. And she has the advantage because she's literally – she has the high ground. Well, and she's right next to the escape. Yeah, exactly. That design was just not great, but whatever. Uh, So then she shuts the door, and Spike's like, uh – Where's the (laughs) doorknob? Oh, I know that one heart kills me. So then Willow Xander and Angel arrive, and Buffy says they will eventually get out and then they can come back. And they're like, Why would we come back? Like, and she's like, For the body. And that's when I realized that everyone had gotten out except for Ford. And I think that is just really sad that she left him in there. I mean, I know that she couldn't just like carry him out or whatever, but I just think it's really sad.
0: Well, I think that if she had wrist. It
2: was pretty much at that point, it was everyone else's safety or his. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was no way she could get Ford out because he was unconscious back there and she was already up. But yeah, I just think it's really sad that she had to make that decision.
1: Well, it's like, what would you do if you brought
2: him out though? Like, like,
1: He's a liability. jail? Like,
2: what do you do? Yeah. He's a liability at this point. If he's that desperate, he's going to find something else.
1: And I, every rewatch, I literally, and I'm not just saying this, I- Genuinely forget that Spike actually turns him. Yeah, right? Like, and which is so interesting to me because mm-hmm. it's like he could have blamed it on Ford and yet he decided
2: to turn him anyway. Which is it's very odd that he kept his promise. Well, I don't think Spike did it just because he's a man of his word. I think Spike literally did it because all vampires know that they're actually demons. So it was kind of a A very cruel thing to give Ford what he actually desired because he knew that was going to essentially kill the Ford that we knew and make him into a demon. Like,
0: But I also think that selfishly, I think he knew that Buffy and Ford had a relationship and he wanted to in some way get to Buffy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. That was the other side of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Spike did not do it out of the goodness of his heart, which I don't think you were saying, but no, he definitely yeah. was. Yeah, it's very malicious. I just
0: like
1: without thinking about it, I was just like, huh, that's really interesting that he turned in.
2: But that makes sense. I also think it's really creepy because when Ford wakes up, he's like, I delivered, I handed her to you. So what about my reward? So as he's saying that, Drew has her eyes closed and she's like swaying in the background. And as soon as he says, so what about my reward? She stops and then creepily opens her eyes. And it's like, ah. (laughs) Oh, I didn't see that. That's creepy. It's really creepy. So the next morning, Buffy comes back finds Ford dead on the stairs. And you can see the puncture runes, which I'm very embarrassed to say, it took me several watches to figure out that the guy who rises at the end is Ford. <laughs> I did not know. I thought it was just a random vampire.
1: I, the first time I watched it, I thought so too. And then I think the second or third time, same.
0: Yeah. I
2: I, uh, I don't know why I didn't like clue. Because right it away.
0: doesn't look like him. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. But I, I do want to say like, Kudos to Buffy for coming back and finding Ford and then going and burying him and giving him an actual, like, burial and stuff. I just – it shows how much she cared, even though she knew he was going to rise. Like, she didn't have to go to all that work just to stake him, you know? Oh, and then this moment. This moment. So good. Buffy is laying flowers at Ford's grave. And just the way that it's shot and like the moonlight on them and then the streetlight, it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And she says, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And Zhao says, you needn't say anything. She says, it would be simpler if I could just hate him. I think he wanted me to. I think it made it easier for him to be the villain of the piece. I think he was just scared. Um, And Giles says, yes, I suppose he was. Like, I get the feeling that Giles is holding back. And I get the feeling that Buffy saying all that is her not wanting to admit that perhaps Ford was actually evil. That he actually maybe did deserve to die. She's trying to rationalize why he would do those things. And yes, Ford was scared. But we're all scared. And Buffy was scared. And she still did the right thing, you know? Um, And I think Giles knows that. And I think he's not wanting to say anymore because he doesn't want Mm. to make her feel any worse than what she's already feeling in that moment. Buffy says, nothing's ever simple anymore. I'm constantly trying to work it out. Who to love or hate. Who to trust. It's just like the more I know, the more confused I get. Shaz says, I believe that's called growing up. She's like, I'd like to stop then. Okay. He says, (laughs) I know the feeling. And she says, does it ever get easy? And then, bam, Ford rises. And you notice how she just stakes him without missing a beat. Mm -hmm. And he says, you mean life? And she's like, yeah, does it get easy? Oh, Okay, so I'm going to play it because it's so good.
0: Does it get easy?
2: What do you want me to say? Lie to me. Yes, it's terribly simple. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats, and uh, we always defeat them and save the day. No one
0: ever dies, and everybody lives happily ever after.
2: Liar! Oh my word! Such an ending! Oh, and I love that it's Giles with her. I love that Giles went with her to that graveyard. It just shows like their connection and how ultimately like at the end of the day it comes down to the watcher and his slayer um you, that we love willow we love xander we love angel um but they can never bear the brunt of the burden of the decisions and choices that buffy herself must make and i love that mm. giles isn't the one that has to stake forward but he's right there with her when she has to make that hard decision and choice
1: my favorite part of the scene is not necessarily like, I love the way that they say it, but I think that like, you can tell like Giles holds her to like a higher standard. He doesn't sit there Mm -hmm. and kind of like belittles her, belittles her by saying like, oh, this is why people do this. Like he can tell that she's thinking it through. He he can tell that she knows that life is going to get harder. He could tell that she's like starting to observe that things aren't as easy as things used to be. He doesn't like take the opportunity to kind of like, you know, nail it into um, her head or whatever. And so, like, I think it's just very sweet that he's like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to choose this moment to support her and be there for her rather than, like, lecture (laughs) her. Yeah.
0: I also, I love the fact that, like, he doesn't immediately lie to her and be like, oh, everything works out. Everything's all good. Like, I like how he asks like, what do you want me to tell you? Like, do you want me to be honest and break your heart? or do you want me to continue to lie to you and he doesn't shame her for wanting the easy
2: answer yeah cuz it's he understands it's a human reaction we want to we want to be comforted and sometimes just hearing comforting words even if they're not true like it makes us yeah. feel better i
1: think he understands like how hard it was for her too like they were friends for years and for her to see the ugliness in someone she really cared for has got to be so damaging and so he's just there for her
2: what a contrast to her saying to Angel, I don't need to understand. I just need to know. And at the very end, she's going, man, I know and I still don't understand. And it's becoming confusing. And yeah, but I, this episode is just it. I think everybody experiences this as we get older. We have these mm-hmm. moments where we realize life isn't as simple and it's just beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Oh, such a good episode. Oh my goodness, guys. (laughs) I feel like we're just starting to hit the meat of season two. And every single episode, I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to talk about this episode. Like each one that comes up. I'm just excited to talk about like, honestly, you guys could make a
0: drinking game out of how many times we say we're excited for something. (laughs) But like, these kind of like episodes make us just like so excited and so ready
2: (laughs) for like the show. There's just so much to talk about. There's a lot of foreshadowing. I can't wait for a spoiler section. There's some good stuff. But thanks so much for listening, guys. And please let us know. Do you guys think Ford is a villain? Do you guys think that he's actually evil? Or do you think he is more of a gray area character? Do you think that he's understandable? Maybe misguided? Maybe scared? Um, We want to know. Let us know what you guys thought. So yeah, thanks so much for listening, you guys. We're excited to see you for Scooby Secrets, and if not, we will see you next time.